Good morning, everyone. Hey, best you know, my name is Dave. I'm also known as Dad and Uncle Days. Um, and today is the last day of our series, Options for Craft. And uh, as you already know, and half my sermon's gone, so um, is <laughs> Jonah and the Whale. Now, as a, uh, as a young fella, a teenager, I was shocked when I found out that Jonah might have been swallowed by a fish and not a whale. I was so shocked that I wrote a song about it, as you do. So, <laughs> and obviously, the reason why the difference is it's to do with the English and Hebrew and Greek translations. Um, some of the early uh, translators of English used fish, oh, sorry, used whale and not fish. So it doesn't really matter. It's a sea creature of some sort. So um, Joel's just going to put up, Joel's got a, oh yeah, in the Minty's wrapper. Now, this Minty's wrapper reminds me of Jonah. And uh, you'll find out in a moment. So, so it, was a, it was the late 90s, and uh, actually that one's a little bit late. Oh, like, sorry, this is me a little bit later, but I could, that was the earliest photo of me playing guitar that I could find. Um, and I wrote this song, I called it Rough Sea, Big Fish. And uh, I got a few mates together and I thought, let's, let's perform this at the next youth church. So once a term at youth group, we'd have a youth church. Usually we could perform, we'd sing songs like church, but it was more of a youthful kind of, kind of thing. And um, I wrote this song called Rough Sea Big Fish, and I was starting to get into punk um, at the time. Melodic skate punk was the term. Um, also, it was mixed with ska as well. Um, rubbish. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, and um, our, our senior minister, Steve, and I have very similar tastes in music, so I wish he was here right now. Anyway, and, um, <coughs> excuse me, this is all right, <laughs> just, the, the microphone is in the wrong, wrong spot, so. anyway, my, like Rod, my dad would not call this music at all, just the noise, and regularly he'd turn off, he'd take the fuse out of the fuse box to stop the noise coming from the second story, anyway, so Friday night, youth church finally arrived, I got my friends together, we got up on stage. I was pretty nervous like I am right now. But this time I actually had to sing and play guitar. Anyway, our drummer Duck counts us in. One, two, three, four, boom, off we go. And um, halfway through the first verse, let's go back to that Minty's rapper. My string snapped. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> what do I do now? My guitar went out of tune, because uh, some guitars go out of tune when a string snaps. So. <laughs> It affected everything, so I said, guys, you keep playing, I'm going to change my string. So I've run off stage and uh, quickly changed the string. Now, Pete would know sometimes changing strings don't go to plan. Fortunately for me, I had it done in two minutes. The song probably didn't go for two minutes, but I was back on stage and I was, and I was playing and I was rocking out once again. Now, this was the first and the last time I ever sang on stage a whole full song. Anyway, so this, this Minty's rapper... This was a classic. Um, they had lots of uh, yeah, moments like these, you need a minties. And for the next year or so, my friends, every time they have a minty get that wrapper, they'll give it to me, then we'd have a good laugh and remember um, the time when, but um, for me, it's embedded me, Jonah and minties go together. <laughs> um, so, oh, unfortunately I've lost the song, but I remember the first verse and the chorus. It goes, 
the Lord spoke, Jonah ran away onto a boat, a big storm came, throw me overboard if you want to live. He was swallowed by a big fish. And it goes, the chorus goes, Jonah is us, we can't trust what we can't see, rough sea, big fish. So uh, we're going to um, yeah, have a look at Jonah now. And, um, but just before I get, get into it a bit further, this is quite a serious book. And um, preparing for this, I was very convicted as, as I, I wrote this. So as you hear the lessons, don't think I've got it all together. You probably don't know. You probably know that anyway if you know me. But um, yeah, it, Jonah teaches us the ideals that God wants for us. So let's, um, let's get into this. I'm just going to start with prayer. If you just bow your heads, please. Uh, Lord, just uh, yeah, thank you that we can have fun uh, or as youth and as adults praising your name as well, Lord. But Lord, help us to reflect on Jonah right now and help us to take away today what you want us to get out of it and um, to be able to take a look in the mirror and know that you love us as well. And help us to uh, yeah, just, just know that you love us so much. Amen. Now, as we all know, Jonah is a bizarre book. Um, now, some, someone got swallowed by a fish and survived three days, which has caused some reputable Bible scholars to not think it's real, but think it's a parable. I discovered this about six months ago. I was quite shocked. But um, it is what it is. Um, for, for me, it's a historical. Jonah, Jonah was real, and he, and, he, uh, and he survived three days in a fish. God made the world out of nothing, Jesus died, went to, you know, went to the grave for three days and rose again. So why couldn't God put a guy in a fish? That's all. Um, now, and, and the other thing is Jesus speaks in Matthew 12, 20. And he refers to Jonah as a historical point in time. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. There's no reason that God could not use Jonah as a real-life parable. And uh, this verse is gold. 2, 2 Timothy 3.16, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness, so the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's the NIV version that I learned as a kid that, that's stuck with me forever. So let's go back to uh, the book of Jonah. So Jonah was a, was a prophet, as we, most of us know, and he, he lived in around 793 to 753 BC. And the, the book of Jonah is one of the 12 minor prophets. Now, minor prophets, they're, only, they're called minor prophets because they're short to read. They're quite good to read. You can get them, get them done in a few minutes. And, um, and he was also from Gath Hepfer near the Sea of Galilee and not far from Nazareth, where Jesus was from. He's also referred to in 2 Kings 14.23. He prophesied that Jeroboam II, the king of Israel, would restore Israel's borders as the Lord saw the affliction on Israel, and it was bitter. So Israel, at the time when Jonah was, this all happened to Jonah, it was in a time of peace, it was freedom, um, and the other thing about Jonah, the book of Jonah, it's different from all the other prophets. It's actually about a prophet, not about the message that the prophet has to say, even though that is in there a little bit. But the, the main thing, it's about Jonah's um, experience. So why is Jonah 
in the Bible, if the prophecy given to Jonah also wasn't for, wasn't for Israel, obviously it was for Nineveh, as we learnt. Well, God uses Jonah's experience to teach two key points. Number one, for Israel to look in the mirror and reflect on their relationship with the Lord. Is what they say actually what they believe and follow out in actions? And secondly, God is gracious and compassionate in character. That not only did he save them from their enemies and restore freedom to the, to the people, but also saved a Gentile enemy. Are they okay with God loving their enemy? So let's go back and open our Bibles to Jonah 1. I'm just, just have it ready. I'm going to just go through different verses as we go. Now, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it. It is because its wickedness has come before me. So Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. It was about 120,000 people lived there. It was, it was the, a big place. Um, it was wealthy, had royal palaces, it had statues, parks, and even a zoo. And it's in modern-day Iraq now, just to get an idea of where it, where it is. Now, the Ninevite army, as we've, we've heard, were wicked. They were so wicked in the way they tortured their leaders that I don't want to say this morning because we've got children here. But, but you can see why the Lord sent Jonah to take the message. But, as we know, Jonah had no, did not want to do this. So he, he ran away. Do you know why? We'll hang in there. We'll find out a little bit later. But let's get, to the, let's get to the map and just find out how serious Jonah was about running away. Now, I left my um, laser pointer at Officeworks, sorry. So <laughs> over, over here, um, you can see Israel near the boat there, Joppa. That's where he jumped on and he was trying to go to, sorry, you might not have been heard, be able to hear me then, but he wanted to jump on the boat and go all the way across the Tarshish, right at the mouth of the Mediterranean, just inside. Now that's in, I think that's um, where it is, in, and that's modern day Spain. Now, if we go to the, oh, and, sorry, and see point B up there, that's where he was supposed to go, Nineveh. So he went like four or five times, that was trying to go four or five times the distance away. And, and Tarshish was like the ends of the earth at the time. Um, for Israel, it was like the other side of the, the earth. So if we go to the next one, next slide, Joel. I always thought, how big is the Mediterranean? Couldn't have been that far to go. So I've put the, or someone else did, put the Mediterranean Sea inside Australia. And if you, can, if you can see, around where Brisbane is, that's where Joppa um, is. And then where, on the far west, Western Australia, that's where um, Tarshish is. So you can imagine, that's going to be a long way to get there. Um, Google says, hang on, sorry, I've lost. Yeah, Google says if we're going to drive there, it will take us 41 hours straight. And it's about 4,000 kilometres away. So I'm sure jumping in a ship, there's a lot more commitment than that. Anyway, back to Jonah. <clears throat> God had other ideas. Jonah, you're not going, so he sends a storm to, jo um, to Jonah to, to get him on the boat. So um, we don't know how far the boat has gone at this stage of the story. So he sends a storm. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threat threatened to break up. That's in verse 4. As a surfer, I was always pretty sceptical about the Mediterranean Sea. It's not, doesn't, it's not known for being a good surf destination, so I really didn't think the surf would be that big, or the waves. But I thought, hey, I'm going to check this out. So I 
Google, I Googled it. Um, and according to surfertoday.com, they did a report. They found in 2020, Spain's port and ports of the state announced the largest wave recorded in the Mediterranean Sea was during Storm Gloria, and that, um, and that was almost eight and a half metres high, and the previous record was just over eight metres. Um, this skeptic's changed his mind, but I could only imagine what it's like to be in a boat or even on a surfboard. You're in a pit. The, the trough is down here, and the peak's up there, eight and a half metres high, so way more than double the, the um, height of this building. You'd be in a pit of water, plus all the wind and waves just yeah, blowing around you, totally scared. So the Lord sends a great wind, which leads to a violent storm, creating the waves. Now, the more powerful the wind, the more powerful the waves. So the wind's howling as well. Um, no wonder the sailors were terrified and crying out to their gods. Um, now, the ship was threatening to break up, so they threw the cargo off. But somehow, Jonah was having a sleep. The, the captain's come flying down, down the stairs, down to him. How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. The sailors knew this was more than just any ordinary storm. They knew that someone had done something and something supernatural was causing it. They, they, asked, they cast lots and um, the lot fell on Jonah, as we found out. Surprise, surprise. And they said, tell us who is responsible for, for making all this trouble for us. What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? Well, Jonah answers, I am a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Now, this point in the story is where God's been very clever. He's putting a mirror up to the Israelites as they read this. What, what Jonah said is almost like a creed. It's like a statement of his faith. And also... You might not, in your version, you might say that the Lord is in capital letters. Now, when you see Lord written in capital letters in the Old Testament, it's um, the translation from Yahweh. You've probably heard Yahweh. Yahweh is the personal name for, the, for, for God. It's a Hebrew name. So it shows that God, uh, Jonah has a personal relationship with, with God. Yet, um, the sailors will be looking at him thinking, you worship the Lord, you fear the, your Lord, but you're running away from him? That's, that's, uh, that's a bit hypocritical. So they said, what have you done to cause this storm? The sea was just getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to make the sea calm down for us? And as we saw in the video, we all know the, his crazy response. Just pick me up and throw me into the sea. It will become calm. I know it's my fault that this, this great storm is upon us and upon you. Jonah finally owned up to his disobedience to God. There are consequences for our actions, and sometimes we, cannot, we can end up in the pit ourselves or cause someone else to end up in the pit like the sailors. So the consequence now for Jonah, he was going to get thrown overboard and most likely to his death. Now, the sailors didn't want to do this, so they tried to row and row and get back to land, but that, it just didn't, um, just didn't work out. The, the God, God made it worse. And they, and, they, and they called out, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man for you, Lord. Have done as you please. So they took Jonah and threw him overboard into the raging sea. But guess what? As we know, the sea went calm. And at this, the men greatly feared the Lord. And they, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. 
Now, I never really heard that little, you know, verse 16 there. Um, never noticed that in, in Sunday school myself. But let, let's think about that. They witnessed such a huge event where God controlled the, um, the ocean and the wind and everything, and it went calm, and their response was appropriate. They made a sacrifice and they vowed to the God. They gave God the respect that he deserved. And this is getting the Israelites start to think, what is our response to the Lord for, get, getting us, for saving our borders, for keep, giving us peace? And now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly for three days and three nights. So what's the meaning of the fish in, jo- in Jonah? Well, Jonah's been thrown overboard. He's in the middle of the sea. It's been wild. It's, it's calming. But he's probably in his, in his clothes. He probably can't swim that well. Jack O'Neill hasn't created the wetsuit to make it easy to swim. or well, Speedos haven't been invented. But he is starting to drown. And, jo- and Jonah gets saved by the fish that God sent to him. The fish is Jonah's salvation. And then this takes us up into into chapter 2. And Jonah prays a prayer while he's in the belly of the whale. And it sounds like a a, a psalm. And Jonah being a a prophet would be well-versed in psalms. So this is a prayer of desperation from inside the belly of the fish. Jonah knew God sent the fish to save him. And he's reflecting on what has happened. He's looking in the mirror and working out that his attitude stinks, just like the belly of the fish. So let's look at, it, at his prayer. I'm going to take a few key verses that, um, and just read them straight through. In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in, in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. Verse 4, I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. Verse 6, to the roots of the mountains I I sank down. The earth beneath me barred me in forever. That's like barred in like being in jail. But you, Lord, my God, brought brought my life up from the pit. God sent the fish. So in verse 7, when my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to to your holy temple. Verse 9, but I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. Now, he recognises the fish has come from the Lord, and in, in that moment he has also repented. He, will, he vows to make good. Now, the next verse, classic, and I reckon most kids will like it too. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Now, the second point God wanted to show Israel in Jonah is his, God's loving character. So, so as we heard, Jonah was asked to go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness had come up before him. But he ran away, so was, was he scared? So we've got to think about the character of God here. Was he scared? No. That wasn't the answer. Would have been mine. Imagine having to go to your enemy and, and <laughs> preach to them. I found it hard enough preparing to get up and talk to my family and friends here, so, and I'm very nervous now. So possibly we don't know the full message because it's so short, the message in, in there. So go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come before me. And then Jonah 3, 2, go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim it to the message I give you. It's sort of like God telling him what to do. And then this is the, this is the, the word of God that he had to, he had to share. 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. So right here, 
the Ninevites are hearing that God is going to overthrow their city. Um, and what, what happens next? Jonah 3. The Ninevites believed God. I'm sort of paraphrasing. I'm just getting the key little points from, from, the, ch- from the big chunk of uh, scripture there. So when the Ninevites believed God, when Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he said, let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may relent with compassion, turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. And God saw that they, they repented. They turned from their evil ways and he did not bring on destruction to them. It was his compassionate nature that's, um, that because that, that they repented. He was compassionate. He did not destroy them even though their sin was horrendous, like I said. And here's the real reason Jonah fled to Tarshish. Jonah became, he, said this, he basically said, this is wrong, this, I'm angry. And he prayed to God, isn't that what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love. A God who, re- who relents from sending calamity. So, in my, in my opinion, you know, two and a half thousand years later, I think Jonah's quite self-entitled. Are we a, and, um, and over the top? Maybe we have the same attitude sometimes we don't realise. Are we okay that God loves our enemies? But Israel really did not like Assyria for all the infliction that they, they brought to them. But the Lord replied... Is it right for you to be angry? And to prove the point, God sent a leafy plant to grow up fast and give shelter um, to Jonah. And Jonah was happy. Like he was overlooking the, the town of Nineveh at this stage. Um, it was hot. Then God sent, sent a worm to destroy this little shelter. And, and Jonah once again was so mad. And he, he said, it would be better for me to die. It's, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? God asked. The Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend to it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died. And should I, have, and should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people? So the book of Jonah shows, that the Israelites, shows the Israelites that God does care about the Gentiles and that salvation is from the Lord. And the Lord can and will save the Gentiles too. Now we see this fulfilled in the death and resurrection of Jesus and the teachings of the New Testament and we're here today, aren't we? So what does this mean for us living in the year 2023? Now, as I shared before, Jonah is about putting a mirror in front of yourself and reflecting on our relationship with the Lord and is what we believe actually, what we say in our actions. And secondly, do we understand God's gracious and compassionate character that is slow to anger, abounding in love, which also includes abounding love for our enemies. So I'm just going to run through this quickly. Now looking in our own mirror, um, now Jonah made the statement of, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord the God of heaven who made the sea and the earth. We said a creed earlier. Um, this is a state, like a statement of faith. But I, I just rewrote what Jonah could have said to make it a bit more relevant for today. I am a Christian. I fear and worship the Lord. 
I believe Jesus died for my sins and I rose again three days, three days later. He conquered sin and death. And I believe that the Bible is the word of God and I follow the teachings of the Bible. Now, this is a, a brief statement. So let's imagine if a cameraman decided to follow us around for a week, filming every single moment of our life and we got to watch it back. Do you think we could actually say, hey, I do, I can say that in confidence? Um, do we reflect our beliefs? When we are running late for work in congested peak hour, do we look like, yeah, we... In our conversations, in a disagreement with our family, friends, work colleagues, and people we don't know? Uh, yep, no. In what content we let ourselves be entertained by, that is music we listen to, shows we watch, and the things we read? How much we declare as income on our tax returns or how much we claim as deductions on our tax returns. Sorry, I'm an accountant. I couldn't resist chucking that in. So, <laughs> um, The list goes on. I think we all fall very short. I oh, know I do, and I was very convicted pre preparing this message. Um, and this, this James 1.23 comes to mind. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Reflecting like this is very hard. Um, for the most part, um, we get to a point in our lives, and sometimes, I oh know I have, we get to this, like, you know, I'm in my 40s now, became a Christian when I was 10, and sometimes, we, you know, you're living at home, life's easy, like with your parents, they, most of the time life's easy, food's on the table, roof over your head. Um, but... And then we think, how do I get here? How come, you know, I'm just concerned about paying bills and, and things like that? Well, all these little tiny decisions, it's the little things, little things in life. Now, we can think about these little decisions like a brick. Thanks, Matt, for the prop. <laughs> every, little, every little decision we make goes into the stacks on top of each other. And after a while, all our ungodly decisions can build a wall. Now, we can think that we have a wall between God and us, but um, God can smash that wall down. We repent and come back to him, and he smashes that wall down. Or we can use our little decisions as a brick. It's quite appropriate that our church is getting built, like rebuilt and fixed up, isn't it? We can use these bricks to help build the kingdom of God. So um, things like choosing to go to an go to serve a church rather than go into a work function, for example, where you might miss out on a promotion. Um, are we seeking first the kingdom of God in our little daily choices? Um, the other thing is some of these... Our culture can subtly, subtly change the way we think about life. We've got nippers on Sunday. What do we do? We're not going to take the kids to church. We got other things on, like Friday night, oh, someone's got a birthday party, I'm not gonna, the kids aren't going to go to youth group, or, oh, I'm too tired, I'm not going to go to church. Just these little things can stack up. The next minute, oh, I'm not going to church, I'm falling out of fellowship. Um, and so are we training up the next generation in the way of Jesus or in Aussie culture with a bit of Jesus sprinkled on top? Um, so what is stopping you from reaching your full, full potential as a mature Christian? Let's bring that before the Lord. A mature Christian bears good fruit. Galatians 5, 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, 
patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So let's aim to bear fruit of the Holy Spirit. Let's fertilize yourself with spiritual disciplines like studying the Bible, not just reading it, praying, meeting with believers and serving others. Prune off the sin in your life. Sorry, I've started gardening too. It's, um, I just couldn't resist. Yeah. Now, our response, our response to, um, to this, this is the second, second point, to, to God's character. So is it okay that God loves our enemies? Now, Jonah was angry at God for his compassion to Nineveh. Who is Nineveh in our lives? Is it someone we don't like? Is it a group of people? Are we prejudiced? We may not even realise it. It might be a group of people. Sometimes there is no reason for this dislike. And sometimes these people have hurt us and they don't even know that they've hurt you. Is there someone you need to forgive? We often think that vengeance is for the Lord and we hope that God will get them on judgment day. But let's remember John 3.16. For, for God so loved the world, well, our enemies in the world too, um, that he sent his only son for them too, that if they believe, they will not perish but have eternal life with us in heaven. It's very challenging, isn't it? Maybe we have bitterness in our heart and we need to confess this and give it to, to God. We might have been hurt. It might take some time to work through it. But give it, give it to the Lord. We need to forgive and change our attitudes. Now, I've, I've learned to forgive myself, um, and it's really helped me. Um, sorry. And Jesus taught us that when we pray, ask God to forgive our sins as we forgive those sins against us. So it really helps your psychological well-being as well if you don't fester up um, unforgiveness and bitterness. And let's not forget that God's love is un, abounding love and grace and compassion is for you as well and me. So don't let guilt get in the way of walking with the Lord. Nineveh repented from some horrendous sin after hearing Jonah's message. And the Lord was compassionate to them. So as Christians, we are saved and our eternity is in heaven. But, but if we are not repenting of our sin and letting God shape us to be more Christ-like, our fruit that we produce will be rotten. It won't be. So as 2023 unfolds, let put, let's put seeking the kingdom of God first in our lives because God was gracious towards us first. God was so abounding in love for us that Jesus was sent to take our place for the wages of sin. We've been set free from that sin and our eternity is in heaven. This is great news, isn't it? Yep. Yep. <laughs> The hope, there's hope for, for the hopeless. Let us bring joy and peace to our souls. Let the light of Christ shine from our lives. We've been forgiven. We've been set free, haven't we? God has chosen you to share the good news to those around you. Let's share it. Just like Jonah shared it to Nineveh. It's going to be hard. Now, this is a classic old song. It's a bit cheesy when you listen to it, but I love it. It's called The Stone's Been Rolled Away. I'm just going to read out the first few, few lyrics. I've been forgiven. I've been set free. Restored and sanctified in Christ, I've been released, and I'm free. The stone's been rolled away. Have you asked God's forgiveness um, for your sin and asked Jesus into your life before? He's waiting for you. Jonah, what a fascinating and challenging book. 
Let's reflect on what we need to change to be more Christ-like and thankful for a, we, that we follow a gracious and compassionate Lord. Now, I'm, and um, yeah, just I feel a bit heavy right now, but just remember we're set free from sin. And um, as we, as a bit later, we're going to sing some more songs. So as you, as you sing, just, just reflect on that Jesus has set you free. So now we're just going to pray now. Please bow your heads. Oh, Lord, thank you that you are a gracious, compassionate, compassionate, slow to anger, and abounding God. Please, Lord, help us to reflect on the way we live out our faith in you. Help us to change our attitudes back to you and smash down the wall that we might have put in between you and us. Help us to seek your kingdom first and help us to bear good fruit for you. Help us to share the good news of Jesus. Amen. And guys, we're just going to have a moment to reflect and feel free to pray and then um, I think the band will get up.